0: all right please welcome doug cosmo clifford
1: and laurie who just fixed the fun thing
0: <laughs> and laurie thank you laurie bye-bye thank bye-bye. you all right here we are I, for a minute i thought maybe you got cold feet and you you, you backed out on me <laughs> <laughs> doug it's great to see you thanks for doing this today welcome to the show
1: oh thanks Sean.
0: Man, what what an honor and a pleasure. Um I'm going to I was going to save a couple of these comments uh for the end of the show, but I actually want to start off reading you know, just a couple of things that some uh drummer friends had to say about you. I Uh-oh. hope you don't mind. I know you're a <laughs> humble man. So, um I know you don't know this man, but he's a I'm sure you know who he is. Um Stan Lynch was the original drummer for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Sure. Yeah, from the mid 70s to the mid 90s played on all their big songs, big records. So Stan's an old friend and we were geeking out about you over the weekend and, uh, talking, we were on the phone and I said, Hey, do me a favor and just shoot me an email with just some of your thoughts about Doug. So I'm going to read this to you. Stan's a man of not a few words. Doug Clifford. Holy shit. Cosmo is a living drumming American masterclass on how to stoke the furnace of a rock and roll hit making blast furnace. He's one of those once-in-a-lifetime musicians who's forged into our souls. Every one of his grooves and fills are not up for interpretation. They are perfectly crafted and brilliantly and passionately executed. And as, as with all the greats, impossible to duplicate. His records get better with every listen. Every time he's on my radio, and it's a lot, I drive a little faster and smile wider. I've never met him, but it feels like he's always been in my life. I've got a million questions. Those giant hi-hats, that snare sound. Everyone knows Doug and Stu are the gold standard. They hold the patent on a priceless brand of sonic architecture. From memory, I wrote down a few songs I've learned to play in the various bands I've been in. He says, John, read this list slowly. Let the grooves come to you and know Doug did that. And then he just named off, have you ever seen The Rain, Fortunate Son, Born in the Bayou, Bad Moon Rising, Looking Out My Back Door, Green River, Down on the Corner, Traveling Band, Heard It Through the Grapevine, Lodi, Susie Q, Run Through the Jungle, Up Around the Bend, Proud Mary, Midnight Special. And he closes by saying, with respect and heartfelt thanks for your mentorship, Stan Lynch. So, Wow. Yeah. So I I wanted to just start that off because um, when we first spoke a couple of weeks ago, when we made contact, and I, I was so... I have to tell you, you know, that day you called me, I got off the phone and, and I just had this giant smile on my face and I said to my wife, I just got off the phone with Doug Clifford. And she knew that we had watched that Netflix documentary together. And I was just for like a couple of weeks freaking out, just said, I, I gotta track him down. I, I gotta talk to him. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm tr- I'm trying not to geek out too much, but, um, but man, you know, I know you're, you're a humble man, and I just I wanted you to hear what Stan had to say. And also, another drummer, I just have these two quotes. Um, this drummer says, I'll tell you who he is when I, when I finish reading what he said. He's, man, he's a man of fewer words, but he said this. I love Credence. Their songs still hold up today. They're a real band. I'm a huge fan of Doug's playing. He has his own style and sound with a great feel and a deep groove. Thanks for the inspiration. And that was from Steve Gadd. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a big fan. He he, and I knew he was. I knew he he was familiar with the music, and um, so anyway,
1: thank you for, for, for the kind words, uh, both of you gentlemen, and I appreciate it. Yeah,
0: well, I can I can speak for them and say you're you're very welcome, and it's well deserved. Um, yeah, I I uh, I I have so many so many questions I want to ask you. Um. I'm going to try to get through it as sort of chronologically as I can. Um, first of all, how, how's everything else with you? You doing well? You're.
1: I'm 77 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You
0: and you look I'm still great,
1: vertical. Man. So I guess I'm doing good work.
0: Yeah, you are. You're doing fine work. Um, and you know, you, you look like you've kept yourself in good shape all these years too. I mean, all the, you know, I mean, you you still look, look like you're still very fit. That that goes a long way. You know, as we as we age, I'm I'm catching up to you, so I, I know what you're well, saying.
1: It's just something I've always done, so it's it's just just part of the part of the program, a, co- a, a cog in, in in the wheel. Yeah,
0: yep. Um, and you you uh, you must be proud. I mean, I I know you've seen the Netflix documentary, um is it is it hard for you I mean do you being the humble man that you are do you watch something like that and are you sort of critical of yourself or are you able to look at that and realize how unbelievably great it was and and appreciate it
1: well I uh, I would say a little of both or a lot of both uh uh yeah uh, it's it was bittersweet you know uh, we we started out uh, as 13 year olds with a with a dream and and the the dream was to someday have our songs played on the radio and uh (laughs) they've been doing it for 54 years so
0: (laughs) I was gonna say man did you ever reach that dream you know I mean long after our great grandkids are gone that music will be alive and well you know, I mean, that's something to be so proud of.
1: Well, hats off to John Fogarty for writing good songs and and uh, also uh, letting me do my thing and, and take care of the drum section. I, there were three other guys; and they were all guitar players. I was the only only drummer in the room, and and. Uh, uh, Taught myself by listen, listening to the radio the R&B station and, and the top 40 station, and, and uh, uh, I put my books on the, my desk and had a little brass lamp as the the, the, uh, the, the symbols and uh, and my pencils and. I'd, listen to the the, the 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 drummers and to see what they were doing and a lot of the times i you know because of just teaching myself that's how you know i better listen to the radio and that was my source and uh, so things that uh were too technical for me and i still wanted to get the the, the feeling of, of uh, what it was doing to, to my heart, you know, t- t- turning uh, a groove into s- something a little bit less uh, technical. And, and that's really been uh, a, a big help in, in, in selecting uh, parts, because I learned them a, a little bit. You know, we, we, we borrow and, and professionals, uh, borrow uh amateur steal. So, <laughs> uh, I'm I a little it. of both so uh yeah yeah there, there are things that you you just uh, hear it and and it's it, it's in it's in the vault
0: yeah
1: and, uh, when when there there's a, a piece of music that um I'm looking for that feeling that it that, that particular note or part uh, gave me and, and uh, use it that way
0: it's it's uh it's really incredible doug that you had I, I think you had the foresight back then to you know as a young guy to have the discipline to play to, to not try to play technically to not try to do what a lot of you know, drummers, myself included, do, you know, you got a space, a little open space here where you could put a little something fun and fancy in there that other drummers would hear and go, wow. But instead, you know, you chose to play these, these solid rock solid parts. And you created these, these parts that are so integral to these songs, you know, I mean, um, little things like we talked about on the phone that day to me my favorite song and it might be yours too i know i know it's one of your favorites is um have you ever seen the rain and when i listen to how that's constructed and how you open the hi hat a little bit on the on the chorus and then you just tighten it back up on the verse and then at the end when you're hitting the crash cymbals on 2 and 4 in that last uh coda during the you know the the chorus repeating I just think that's genius. It's just—it's like it's up there with the great drum parts uh, ever constructed. So, wow,
1: tip my well, hat. That's <laughs> that's part of the stealing part. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I don't know who you stole that from, but it's 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 beautiful. It's just—it's it's such a. I mean, and that's just one. There's there are a million. I mean. Um, I, God, you know, we could go, we could just go through the list, but Stan Lynch, who I mentioned earlier, sent me, um, I should have, I should, I'll send it to you afterward. Maybe you've heard this, but there's a YouTube video of the isolated drum track to Fortunate Son. Have you heard this? No, I have. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's, it, it. I was losing my mind. I really was. When you hear that, it's like, it's like a, it's like a metronome slash freight train. Do you know it's like this this perfectly deep groove but with this the power of a freight train just chugging down the tracks it's
1: well uh, it's it's an interpretation of uh of what what the, the the power of the song itself the piece of music the, the, the written piece uh, and, and then uh, you know you try different things to 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 match that and uh so i would do, do my homework take, take uh, little uh, note takers little uh sony cassette machines and put them on the floor or the studio where it's cosmos factory um, yeah of course and, uh, and I, I, I i i could hear all the instruments i wasn't li, li, uh, trying to get uh, uh, uh Quality out of it. I, I just needed a note taker to hear what everyone was playing, uh, uh, their interpretation of of the music, and a lot of it. John is just in there telling them what to do, and that's you know that's where I had the, the I think the advantage because uh, every they they knew guitar inside, inside out and backwards, and uh, and that part was taken care of. But uh, I. I, I had the drums uh, pretty well uh, working for me, and that allowed me to to uh, have my the parts that I suggested uh, used a lot of the time, and uh, in some cases, mo- most of the time. Uh, but, and uh, there there was a, a few songs where. To, uh, who will stop the rain? It, actually, not have you ever seen the rain, but who will stop the rain? There's a lot of uh, snare drum breaks and parts running, you know, through the yeah, uh, up the the uh, the chorus yeah. and the, uh, taking. A, it's not really a triplet, but it, it's a, it's a, a triplet feel. Uh, the way it moves the notes so the the note before it ha- has to be less or the, the the note that you're adding in has to be more and, and if it, it doesn't fit that that criteria but then you keep going until you find something that that uh, works it moves that, that that music the way it I interpret it, and, and uh, um, when you have good good songs coming, uh, it it, may, it really makes it a, a difference for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. No, I, I I understand that, and and yeah, that's another great example of a, of a beautifully crafted part. Um, and you know the the at the very end of it, the the rest where you do the little triplet, which I thought was your crash symbol, but You can tell everybody what that is
1: a little
0: yeah
1: it's it's uh, (laughs) years years of putting your ear up against the radio and uh, and you know just and the thing about a a top 40 is those are all successful pieces of music you may not like every piece of music or every song and 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 nobody really does but uh, uh The ones that, uh, there was a a mixture, of course, the the R&B stuff was just, uh, we're in a little bourbon in uh, the East Bay of uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, El Cerrito, Uh, and we could actually go and see some of these great players and uh, got to the point where, you know, it it got got to be kind of dangerous and and we were young kids sneaking into these bars and, <laughs> um, and on the you know, on the, uh, in the black uh, neighborhoods, and they, they they left us alone because, uh, they could tell that we were there for the music and it was, it was accepted. But then I got things got crazy in society, and, and we were, were unable to. To to do that, Jimmy Reed and oh, his I guess this his wife that was telling him the words to the songs <laughs> because he had uh, had a little too much to to drink and and it was just a unique team they had and she would throw out the the line and he would sing it and they, of course I'm watching the drummer and. Uh, Learned a lot just from watching what they were doing and and uh, the the cool things they they were playing to to make that whatever that song was being played at the time. Just uh, uh, experiences that uh, uh, you know you just you learn and you never stop learning. I'm 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 learning. Uh, uh, some other things and how I'm I even, even try to a, a, a couple of uh, combination uh, jazz and R&B just just when I'm goofing off so great just yep. just to see just to see what what <laughs> yeah.
0: that's great no, always always learning absolutely um so when you so you start your self-taught you started Playing, listening to records, and you said listening to like R and B, and and uh, who were some of the who were some of the drummers that when you started playing that you were listening
1: to, or some of the bands. Well, uh, I, I, Gene Krupp is the guy that made me want to be a drummer. Yeah, and, uh, but I, you know, it was it wasn't my style of music uh but he, he he was the guy that made the light bulb go off and I, I wanted to play an instrument in early rock and roll the lead instrument was saxophone and uh a, a lot of you know the the, uh, the recordings that were done in New Orleans and those were all jazz cats that were uh, doing that and and uh, you know, various artists would use the same same players to, to make records, and then if they had had success, and they would have to go and get a traveling band to 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 take it out on the road. But the you know the, the studio band stayed put, and uh, so when when there would be a solo, it would be a saxophone. So I almost went for the sax. Thank God I didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 sax players, it's just not my thing. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, when I saw uh, the, this television special with Gene Krupa, the, the I, I, I said, Oh man, that's 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 the answer right there. And uh, so I started uh, buying parts, uh, bought a snare drum and and then used a flower pot stand, the, the wrought iron, that was my mother's Then and she never used it uh, for, for that purpose. So I I balanced my snare drum on the little little uh, wrought iron uh, gizmo that had a, a fiberglass, like a bullet head, mm-hmm. you put flowers in it. Uh, I kept the flowers away. <laughs> uh, put the, put the uh put, start, started building my drum set uh, out of out of that with, with the lawn jobs and and things like that to raise money and uh slowly but surely I ended up buying a, an old Slingerland set that was so old that the bottom heads on the tomtoms were tax
0: oh yeah <laughs> I, re- I mean I've seen pictures of those drums yeah
1: it was from the 30s. Uh, okay. But I I got a hell of a price on it. Uh, you know, the, yeah. the, the problem was that anything that, that would happen to go wrong, there were no uh, parts that would, you know, that would work uh, because there, there weren't any of those drums around for parts. Right. Anyway, I, I may do and, and fine. we could, you know, improving. And uh, playing gigs and doing this and doing that, and we, but we did a lot of recording, uh, and uh, that's that was Tom Fogarty doing doing that. Without without Tom Fogarty, there would have been no credence. We would we would never would have had that opportunity to go in and start recording when we were 14 years old, and uh, Tom Span didn't want to do it because there. Uh, Prototypical musicians, I suppose, but uh, they they ask about the sessions. He says, "I want you guys to learn these two songs." And they said, we're, "Then we're going to record." I'm going to drive to LA and try and get a gig for us. And they said, "Are we getting paid?" He says, "No, I'm paying for all of this." You know, there's opportunity here. He said, "Are there going to be any chicks there?" He said, no. <laughs> We're, we're going in to record. So said, we'd this is the one I really like, the closing line. He says, we'd rather work on our cars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Those words were the, the beginning of something magnificent. Uh, and uh, so that's how it all started. And we kept recording and recording and trying to... Uh, you know, get a single on the radio, get the songs played on the radio, and uh, we had a, a regional hit uh, that got us enough, enough money to buy new equipment. We reinvested it in ourselves. No, no, nobody bought a car or anything. anything silly, fancy clothes. We, we put it in and uh, to to new equipment, and uh, that was very helpful.
0: And this this was Doug, this was before you changed the name to to Creedence Clearwater Revival, right? This was the right the, the, was it the blue velvets was that the
1: yeah we were the blue velvets to start with as an instrumental trio, uh, uh, drums, guitar, and piano. Stu played piano and but it was an instrumental, and uh, so Tom would come in every once in a while when he was around, and we were playing like he'd come in and sing a couple songs, and everybody really. Uh, you know we're enthused by that and, and so that John started doing more working on his vocal until it got to the point where it was it was pretty good and, and uh, Tom said you take over
0: mm-hmm.
1: vocals unselfishly uh, yeah. <laughs> and you know and uh, you you have the a better rock and roll voice for what we're doing than I do and uh, just things like that until finally we had uh, Susie Q, and and that was a a, a, a rockabilly song. I never liked it. It was, it was one of John's favorites. I never liked it, and uh, didn't really get it. And uh, so we we were playing in the clubs it was, uh, six nights a week, five sets, and I um that's where you you know that or that's how you used to get your 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 chops together now you use a computer but um that's another story
0: but that makes that makes sense Doug I was just going to say that you guys I mean right out of the gate in terms of uh you know the beatles were the same way you know before before they started recording music they were playing you know in in at the cavern club or in germany you know like you say five sets a night six nights a week and that makes the band so tight that when it comes time to start recording that music they're they're a well-oiled machine like you guys and and uh i mean to me it's not it's just it's you guys sounded right out of the gate like a like a super tight band like a bunch of guys that have been playing
1: together a long time well, that's because we're a bunch of guys that have been playing for a long time <laughs> yeah
0: exactly <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> but uh I, I i i wanted to to change the beat on susie q because i it, it, it just the rockabilly thing just didn't didn't get it for me so i came up with a, a quarter note uh, with my my right hand yes. and then uh, i played the, the the in-between notes on, on my on my kick so uh, in fact the way that way that's that uh, record starts starts with the drums fading in right and, uh, and then at the end of the song the drums fade out so it gives you a real good opportunity to hear exactly what i'm playing uh, before the rest of the guys come in, and uh, it really it allows me to uh, us to uh, play, the, make that song a ten-minute song, and uh, economics in 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 a bar are, are it's very simple. You 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 get a band, you get uh, play danceable music and the audience sweats and then of course you know when that happens they buy beer
0: yeah absolutely
1: so that's yeah. that's uh, one uh, one-on-one there uh, <laughs> the uh, the eco- economics of of the bar scene it is a business so yeah
0: well that that song is is it doesn't get any swampier
1: or greasier than that song, you know. You know, and what what all, uh, uh, also happened by doing it by playing, you know, changing that uh, the groove to a quarter note groove, it left space that, that was not there if you played it, you know, eighth eight notes. Yeah, and it made a huge difference with the guitars. It, it really gave them a air and uh, so it worked it worked and something that you tap your foot to uh, and then also work to uh, take the instruments that, that are you know playing the 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 song really really stand out absolutely
0: yeah yeah all that space that's that's the key right there that that beat that you created it created all this space to allow those other instruments and to just allow you to make those beats count you know that that get 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 yeah 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 it's so yeah. so great yeah it's so great I mean, I, the, 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 the,
1: the, the, yeah and yeah, syncopation really uh uh mild mild syncopation and yeah it's just the, the quarter notes just you I love it yeah there's a, a
0: somebody watching named Danny Lorett who said who in this group meaning all the people watching didn't play proud Mary and uh, I don't know I mean anybody of a certain age myself included in my first band 1974 we pl- proud mary absolutely was was like one of the first songs we learned you know it's just a staple
1: um, yeah that was that's that's what i call a, a wedding and bar mitzvah song
0: <laughs> yes yeah absolutely absolutely uh and the, the singer in my band neil porter um huh? had a comment he's watching and he said hi doug and john you guys were definitely our heroes as kids and still are yeah yeah I, I told you we we play my band plays three of your songs and i'd i'd like to play 23 of them <laughs> but i you know they're they're a blast to play they are they're just a I enjoy playing them so much uh lots of lots of folks oh i just want to read a comment from dave patrick who's an old friend of mine um he's saying doug was the american ringo for me taught me to play a solid pocket with a great feel i made a lot of pocket change in my youth playing doug's licks in ccr songs what a cool guy <laughs>
1: oh that's great
0: <laughs> maybe you better give dave your your venmo account so he can send you some of that uh some of that pocket change oh yeah I love,
1: I love the pocket
0: yeah we all we all borrowed from you but i, I wanted so so moving ahead a little bit so Credence, band becomes Credence around 1967 or so? Is that when you changed the name?
1: 68? Yeah, but it was in December, so it might as well have been 68. 68,
0: okay. And uh, at that point, talking about your drums, you hadn't got the Camcos yet? No. What were, what were you playing in the very, very beginning of... Uh, just Well,
1: like your... uh, 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 Ludwig...
0: Ludwig, okay. Good old
1: uh, yeah. Ludwig kit, and and then I had a Slayerland kit, and then I had that real old old kit that was be, that was before uh, the uh, the other drums I just mentioned. Yeah. And uh, but uh, Camco just had their fiftieth anniversary. Right. And, uh, uh, i was one of the first guys to get him uh, uh, and that was uh, kenny williams from drum drumland which became drum world hey there's some i just uh, came into view here
0: <laughs> that's a classic photo man that's just
1: my striped shirt on
0: yeah <laughs> biceps look at those come on
1: yeah, yeah man. Um,
0: that was yeah that that kit and that was a 22 inch looks like a 22 inch bass drum 13 and a 16.
1: uh yeah that's that's know. exactly what it was Yep,
0: yeah. and that's a ludwig snare i i could see in the albert hall concert
1: that ludwig. one ludwig. yeah and I, i'd love to find another one of those uh, that's a 15 inch by seven uh, and a half snare and it's uh, wooden yeah uh, it's uh, I forget this, the 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 wood type, but uh,
0: probably uh, I'm guessing maple, but it it could be birch. There, there's more than likely. Yeah.
1: But, uh, uh, the first two uh, albums, I used the, the 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 chrome five and a half by fourteen uh, uh, Ludwig some steel
0: yeah superphonic
1: probably when uh, i switch put the, the the big one in that we just mentioned for uh, uh, green river our third album which was our first number one album and uh, that's when i started using the 18 inch hi hats
0: okay so that i was going to ask you that so that the bigger hi-hats weren't right from the beginning that came well that was let's talk about that that was that when you started playing peisty in 69
1: yeah uh, yeah i i <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because uh if you saw the 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 video i, I when i saw it, i, I said to myself God damn it, I, I'm really pounding the shit out of, <laughs> out of the, those things, you know, and, and uh, uh, he had me on stage right next to him because when he was not on the microphone, he, he, he didn't go out at the edge of the stage and dance and pop around because he couldn't do it and he was uh, too very shy in that sense. Yeah. So he comes over and turns his back on the audience and and and, and plays to me. You probably notice that on the. But that's how we had done it when we were thirteen and and and, and you know just getting started. With, we we'd always done it. So you know people will say why did why did why did he do that? And I says, I don't know.
0: <laughs> that's that's what you did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm the only acoustic instrument on stage and, and I've got eight hundred watts of lead guitar, eight hundred watts of bass, and I'm in it. I mean, I'm I'm below yeah. the the level. Their their head level is 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 clear of the amp. Mine was right in the middle of it because I'm sitting down. Right. The, and it looked like no stage monitors, Doug, that I could see. Well, there, no, there no stage monitors. We had side fills. And, and probably it's later a it's, on, it's, yeah sorry oh no, no uh later on we went to to floor monitors uh you know 15 and, uh, inch right I forget what's the standard I guess 15 inch um, um I can't think of the, the uh the brand name but oh uh,
0: maybe Altec Lansing or something or one of the Lansing yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Altus, yeah. yeah. one on either side uh, you know you want to go I said I want to be able to keep up with you guys. So I yeah, have, I have my own monitors. I I, I could only feel my the way through. Could you, uh, it was pretty could pretty, you, pretty loud. Yeah, so
0: you you could you really couldn't hear yourself. The monitors probably only did so much. I'm guessing with all the all the wattage those guys were playing through. Probably. Well, I could
1: I could I could hear, but it, it was I had to really work to get it. Where it's where it's uh, you know I can comfortably hear and and play my parts. Uh, I used to break cymbals all the time. (laughs) I want to Uh, talk to you about that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I've got another thing. I I mean, I I stopped and thought about all the things I did to keep my drum set on on the stage or parts of it. I I I used to break the the foot pedal right in the middle of, of, of where it said Camco the, the uh, footboard yeah yeah, yeah the foot, I I I broke those uh and and, and I broke symbols and and I also put symbols in the fr- front row of the the, the uh <laughs> The stage and well, back then the Fillmore and they didn't have chairs. You know, you walked around and 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 uh, danced and did whatever you did, and uh, so people would come up to the stage and put their chin down. on, you know the stage was up about three four feet, and uh, I'd, I'd make a one one of these monumental crash symbol crashes, and the the i'd see it start to go well what am i going oh, to do oh my god
0: yeah
1: all these people have their arms and hands there and their heads and i i told them when they first come in you know I, that's not a good good place <laughs> yeah. yeah there's a there's, a, there's a, uh, live ammo coming out of that thing yeah. so stand
0: at uh, your own risk yeah uh,
1: So Um, I I came up with the idea of getting steel rims that weighed about 20 pounds, 20, 25 pounds each. And I put it over the the, uh, cymbal stand and bring it down to where a tripod's out. And I had uh, marks, cuts, little cut marks where I would stick this weight and that would lock that sense. So no more cymbals. Uh, into the audience but what it did do is uh instead of you know having having all that that uh, power hit, hit the symbol it couldn't move now so it was st- steady and so that meant that it, it's going to break when you when you hit it yeah, so, yeah. He you know, has you nowhere to go. Yeah. Up this is on the stage. I don't know which one I like better. But, uh, <laughs> it was it was certainly interesting. Yeah. And so I did that and I kept the symbols uh, on the stage but it, you know, I, I I could break uh, you know three four symbols a night and uh, uh, then uh This is pretend a, It's a Camco. This is where I would break it. So my uncle had a machine shop, and it's a casting. Casting is is weaker than mm. solid uh, metal, whether it be steel, aluminum, whatever, and it, it just happened to be aluminum. So I I took the, the pedal to, uh, apart. Took it to my uncle's shop, drew, drew it out, and marked all the spots where the, the screws went. And I never broke another one. It was made out of solid wood. In fact, uh, the uh, musical instrument uh, uh, museum in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, yeah, yeah, my Camco set in there, and uh, and I have the the, the pedal. That I that I use on that kit because you know I I did that uh, and then the, then of course the uh, the eighteen inch uh, cymbals uh, hi hat cymbals uh, equipment wasn't as as bulky as it is now so when I put the 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 cymbals together to start my experiment <laughs> the spring wasn't strong enough to move move the uh, the, sim-
0: the top hat, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get that and, and control that. That's one of the things I would control by opening it up, uh, and I and I had certain distances uh, that would create a certain sound. And uh, uh, as long as I can see the light, uh, you can really hear them in there you can hear it and and have you ever seen the rain uh and that was just a, it gave me a, a like another an, another instrument and it uh, was very effective but uh, my my job wasn't over so i went to the hardware store and found a spring that would uh, have enough tension to pull the symbols up but it was too Big to get into the area that uh, it needed to. That was easy. You just get a big pair of um, 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 wire cutters or, or some, something like that and snap it right off, slid slit it right back in there, put it all together and voila. You know? Wow. That's I, impressive. I, I, still, I, I still use them.
0: I know. I know. And I was just going to say for you to do that back in 1969, like, Hi hat stands were always, for me, if I broke a hi hat stand, that was a that was a not an easy thing to fix. You know, I could fix anything that broke on a pedal, but when you have all those springs and all that stuff inside internally, that that uh, so hats off to you that you could get in there and replace the spring and 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 get it to work that way.
1: Well, the the thing that was really cool about it, and I had had, I had done some experiment, experimenting with it, is that you know it's 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 a more, much more melodic uh, s- symbol. The bigger it is, the more tone you, it, yeah. it, it, you have, and. Uh, and then i I became a a thing where you know my left foot uh, didn't play fours a a lot because i was you know opening and closing and doing things that that uh, very subtle i mean if you didn't know uh, uh, anything about drums you you would know something was going on but and it and it it affects as i said um, with susie q it it, it 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 helps the other instruments uh do what they you know what they're supposed to do and uh, and, and that's another thing i tell young drummers you know is you're that you're not buddy rich and you're not gene krupa so put that away uh, <laughs> yeah you're, you're a support instrument you're you're the guy that's supporting the house you're the foundation so keep it you know keep it within within that uh, that arena and uh, don't get in the way don't, you know everything that uh, every note you play Has to have value, Uh, and and you get maximum value when it's the right beat, or or part, break, whatever, uh, for a a piece of music that that works. And and, uh, that that's kind of my approach to it. And uh, the problem is, you know, you get a young kid. Uh, and he's got a drum set. He wants to be Jane Krupa, <laughs> or you know, uh, I see it all the time. I was able to, because I was learning how to play, but to uh, uh, to focus on what what the groove is, and and, and not not just not just tempo, but uh, a feel and you add you add value to a note and if you put a, a, a break in that that break has to have more value than the note before it otherwise you're you're you're, you're playing winks, you know yeah, and, yeah. and the same thing coming back uh al jackson jr who was my idol the uh, and, and a good friend asked me what what, what my goals were. I said, I want to be a metronome." He says, "Why Why do you want to be a metronome?" I says, "Well, John wants me to be a metronome," and, and he says, "Well, you're, a metronome's a machine, and and you're a human being, and uh, it's okay to." Move things, uh, but you have to do it within the confines of the the beat and the value of of, of, of the of the beat. So uh, he holds up a finger and and uh, can you see that?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Holds up a finger. He says, you know, going going from a verse into a chorus. The chorus is is the is the money part of the song, and that's what all the rest of the the song is about. Setting up that that section of music that's the you know the one that everybody knows when they sing a song they always sing the chorus because that's that's the that's the money part that's the hook that, yeah you know and uh he said so you get it you get a little uh, excited and you're going along like this well now you're you're going into the chorus so you're right in here now right in here you're not here because if you're here, you're you're rushing. Yeah. You're not here because if you are, you're dragging. But then you come back to the verse to kind of settle it down. Then you come back and you might even bring it bring it back a tone. It's not uh, even uh, not an audible thing where it's uh, you know you know. Um, I I totally
0: know what you're saying, and and I you do that so well. And I think have you ever seen the rain? Another, again, I keep coming back to that song, but I feel like to me, that's a great example of exactly what you're saying, Doug, where you, you give it a little lift during the chorus. You know, it just, it, it, it chugs along, not, it doesn't rush. I mean, it never rushes. It just <laughs> has a little bit more of a kick. And then when you come back to that, dun, 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 and then it's like, you're a little, almost behind the beat. Um, yeah, Yeah. It's, it's, ah masterful it really is i love it love you it. know and, and
1: that uh, that was the greatest uh, uh single thing that he he, was, he wasn't a teacher he, he was a friend and a, and and one of the best drummers ever to walk the planet yeah and all the you know a lot of people don't realize that booker t and the mgs were the house band for Stax records so if you said oh i love the otis reddings band, Well, (laughs) that's that's Booker T and the MGs. No, uh, it it really is. So yeah, that was uh, the 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 most helpful thing, and it took pressure off of me because you know I thought I was you know if if, you know leave me alone and let me play. Uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, but some people have to uh, have to have. Have it their way, whether it makes sense or not. Just because they're holding the reins and want, don't want to give up that that power. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just basically, uh, 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 will Stop the rain. I, I, I put in all those parts yeah. and kick all those drum parts out, and there's a lot of them. But they they have value because they they lift sections of the song that are, are are written to be to be lifted
0: yes exactly
1: that was that wasn't in there and when I, I I did it John said don't play that and I, I said well I I I I think it's better than what what we have or what what's being played or not being played and so uh, I would take stuff home from my little Sony re- recording machine, put it on my four-track machine, and I gave me tracks to put things on and and see if they're going to improve or, or um, hurt a song that I'm working on. Yeah, and, you know, I did most of that stuff at home uh, after after the after the work because I I, I was by myself I I only had had myself to, to you know to, to to deal with I didn't have anybody saying no at my house <laughs> well, <laughs> never mind
0: no but that's great that you you were able to come to the session the next day more prepared because you would have you you know rather than trying to do it in the studio and the time that it takes and and even the the pressure of that you you could come in having worked a lot of this stuff out this is that's great information to know that because that that was a question i was going to ask you is how much of this stuff did you guys kind of do right in the studio and how much did you do ahead of time um so you could just go in and record you know more kind of economically
1: Well, everybody, uh, all the guitar players played exactly what they they were told to play. And uh, Stu had some, uh, some, he came up with some bass things. And uh, Tom's playing rhythm guitar, and great rhythm guitar too. uh, When he left, it left a pretty big hole. Uh, And, uh, but... uh, I would, the, the uh, who, who will stop the rain? John <laughs> said, don't play that. So <laughs> uh, well, well, finally, you know, it was, it was uh, recording time, session time, and um, I played it the way I worked it out and Nothing was said. Not, not that that works. But what was said was uh, said in silence. I I I I played it that way, and and, uh, and that's what's on the record now.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the little triplet thing during the during the rest is that it's the top, the bell of the hi hat. Right, it's the top hi hat. Ding. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I always thought it was you know. It sounds like a big symbol, and of course, the hi hat's a big symbol. I always thought it was your your crash. You know, I thought it was a ding, but mystery solved. The hi hat, yeah, mystery solved. A couple of quick questions. So, just back to Albert Hall for one second. It looked to me like the only mics on the drums were a a mic in front of the bass drum. You had you had a a closed front head, no hole, felt strip across it, right across the front head. No muffling inside the drum other than that no no pillows or anything
1: no 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 pillows but there there might have been a a a little uh a, a little rag in, in there I'm trying yeah. to think
0: but pretty pretty open sounding and, and oh, one yeah o- yeah and it, one overhead mic doug just one mic overhead for-
1: just, just one and uh it was working overtime i'll tell you that
0: <laughs> man what a sound what a, what a you know i mean and all all Kudos to Albert Hall, which is i have been there a few times, and it's a beautiful-sounding hall. Of course, you know, legendary uh, acoustically beautiful-sounding room. So you—you you had all that working for you. But just it—it it, it just blows my mind to see that. And I'll just add to this what we've talked about, and um, it's the four of you guys on stage playing the songs. It—they sound just like the record, and that's—that's that's all a tribute to you guys going in and not getting too uh, crazy with tons of overdubs and and things in the records. And I was going to ask you, were most of the records made with um, just vocal overdubs and, and you guys playing kind of live, the, the four of you guys playing your instruments together at the same time live?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, every once in a while, there would be uh, like a keyboard thing. A little- right it's used in a uh, grapevine for example
0: yeah have you ever seen the rain there's a
1: there's a Hammond you can hear it in there a little, little right hand stuff kind yeah. of back in the back, right. little parts so th- those types of things would definitely uh be there watching too
0: so so Doug I have a couple more quick questions I want to I want to ask you and then I want to ask you some questions from the audience in fact I'm going to ask you this question from my friend Dan Peterson: um, What CCR song are you most proud of in regards to your contribution?
1: Uh, if there's one, uh, if there's but "Born in the Bayou" is my favorite Creedence song. Okay, and there is an, another example of a quarter note beat yes and uh but instead of uh, playing the like, like this repeating of something that I've already done with the quarter note beat with Susie Q uh I play the accents instead of just you know the, the in-between notes so uh, that that's uh, uh that uh, that's just just a, a, a badass tune. Badass <laughs> a, tune. And, you know, Badass. So yeah. And, I, I love that okay. one, and but also uh, heard it through the grapevine. We stepped out and and did a long jam, and and the, it was it was a rehearsed jam. But when we got in the studio, things got going, and and I know I I went off and kind of worked around what john was doing on on his guitar and, and he he picked it up um uh, and and, and uh, we did some real uh not played before parts yeah. it's yeah. really cool
0: i'd say to me that's and maybe there are others but in my mind that song is maybe um where you maybe stretch the most where you really hear you during that jam where you really i know like where you're playing the hi-hat and you're almost like doubling the hi-hat and the snare at the same time like a i I can't explain it but i know the part you're talking about um yeah and you're going for a lot of shit during that that instrumental (laughs) yeah Yeah. and you don't hear you do that a lot and and well
1: we don't do it yeah And, and it was but you know it was just uh spontaneous uh uh, it Got going, and there there were some parts there that you know when 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 they when they got played, I f- I either followed or or, or led some, based on what 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 was was happening with the lead guitar. Yeah, yeah.
0: So so that was a case where while you guys were recording that song, John was playing that lead part live in the studio. Yeah. That was an overdubbed later. That was that was you guys playing yeah yeah that's uh i mean that's that's when records were great that's when that's when bands that's and that was what steve gad was talking about when we talked about this he that's what he meant when he said like they're a real band that, like that that plays music you know and uh when yeah. you know coming from that era and um i just want to talk about the studio too for a second when you when you recorded you have such a great organic drum sound your cymbals sound beautiful your drums sound beautiful and they it sounds like um it doesn't sound necessarily like they were the drums were close mic'd like it's a lot of room
1: sound um, yeah there that, that's true there there was a lot of, uh, of that and in and, and, and uh U87s and uh SM56 mics were i believe the what we used uh and U eighty seven is over over the top for sure, and
0: yeah,
1: and, uh, you know we we like doing it live, uh, and John would uh, kind of talk through the the lead singing part just so we knew where we were, and you know just keep track of that. It's not a bad thing to keep track of here recording, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, yeah we we you know not a lot of frills and and, and uh, fancy dancy stuff just yeah we yeah. rock and roll
0: and and a lot of the song where a lot of the songs done in like a couple of takes where they would you move pretty quickly through the tunes like did you you could you could probably get a take a good take in one or two three The takes?
1: majority of, of the takes were first takes wow the majority, wow. but we rehearsed for, you know, um, um, a couple of months ahead. Yes, yeah. weeks ahead. So we knew when we went in, we, we didn't do like 10 songs and and picked, you know, or 15 songs and picked the, the, the best time we went in with an album, note for note. Yeah, uh, yeah. You and, knew it. Yeah, uh, that's how we did it, and, and we couldn't wait to get to the next bunch because we had played this stuff so much. So it was, you know, we, if we get it done on, on a first take basis, that means the quicker we get to the next, the next song, and and, and get us through the, this record and on to the the next one, whatever it might have been. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: Jumping back a second to you buy your Campco set in 1969 at uh, Drum World in San Francisco, right? Yeah, Um, and that's where you. Before that, you probably were playing like a Zildjian's, which is what everybody was playing in those days.
1: Yeah, probably. I had the Zildjian cymbals. Uh, I, I don't. I don't remember, but they're they're basically the same you know a, a 22 inch ride medium Yeah. yeah uh, that that's was what with my Pisces stuff you yeah. tried uh, you know match and uh, but I think the the Pisces uh, uh, are are more of a rock and roll s- sound to me anyway uh you know and uh Zildjian uh, had been around for so long, and and they, you know, they were put, putting uh, their symbols uh, uh, to to uh, a lot of well, Gene Krupa, you know, sure, yeah. all the big bands uh, had Zildjian symbols, and uh, uh, when, uh, when Drumland came to me, and <laughs> I was breaking. The crap out of these things. Uh, they said they, they would replace them uh, free if if I would do it, use them. And I, well, so they, they sound like and and uh, we'll we'll talk about it. And I really liked the sound. It was uh, uh, very present and uh, uh, it, it really really worked uh, for me. Yeah. And yeah. Sort of took care of it.
0: Did they? um so nineteen sixty nine credence was a was a known band. You guys were you guys were just starting to really take off at that point, or really you had taken off at that point. So you could understand why um did they did they connect you to Peisty drumworld
1: or did they, Penny, they Penny Williams from uh, drumland uh, Drum World Land, sorry drumland yeah he's he's the one that put turned me on to uh, camco as well, right, right. Uh, in, in fact, I think uh, he let me take a, a kid home, or to, to well, to to the factory to to test out. And I said, I really like these. These are, have so much presence, uh, and the, the hoops are are meticulously put together, and and uh, it really has life, especially for rock and roll. So uh, that's uh, was in '69. When, when uh, both of those things happened,
0: right, and and the right from the beginning, I I know this is going back a long time. I've always been curious. the The Peisties that were available in those days were this was before the two thousand twos and a lot of the stuff they have now. Pretty much just the six o twos, I think, and maybe Giant Beat. But were the, were those symbols like for at Albert Hall, for example? Were those the Formula Six O twos, the eighteen inch crash? Yeah, six
1: O two twos, yeah. yeah.
0: And the and the twenty inch ride and the eighteen inch, the hi hats were two crash cymbals put together.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. The the uh, the medium, uh, hi hat was the batter uh, uh, side, the top one, and then the 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 bottom symbol uh, was, uh, for lack of a better word, the thick, the heavier, yeah. And it needed to be uh, strong enough to you know, to take the, this constant, the symbols aren't usually uh, put to that task. So uh, it, it worked out, worked out great. I'm still using it.
0: Yeah, man, what a sound. And, and that, that, so that 18 inch crash that's on your left. Yeah. That's the crash that's on everything, right? Pretty much. I mean, that's, that's, that's yeah, that's the crash
1: that's a crash but i well it isn't because I use the ride symbol a lot right you'll notice especially in Bayou yes uh, use it a lot and, and then I use the Bell on it a lot and uh, and it's a 22 it's a 22 inch ride
0: oh it's a 22 okay I wasn't sure I made a note after watching the document I watched the told you yesterday I watched the documentary again and during at the Albert Hall show, and this is how you play it during Bayou, you can see you're you're doing these like quarter note alternate. You alternate between the ride and the crash, and you're crashing, and it's it's, and it's like this whirling motion. You know what I mean? You get into this groove of of it's like a circular thing that's just, oh, yeah, yeah. It creates this like whirlpool kind of thing going. It's beautiful. Uh, so that's a twenty two, and it must be probably not that heavy if you can crash it the way you're crashing it
1: yeah it, it's it was a medium 22 yeah uh 22 me, uh, medium ride and so you know it was uh, uh i used it a lot and i uh, I'll, I'll, i'm happy to say that, that i have two 18 crashes now the, the old steady on the left-hand side but i've added one to to the right-hand side so i can have stereo crashes how about that
0: how about that yeah i know wow <laughs> and and that crash that 18 that you used back then that must have been pretty thin that you know a pretty yeah thin, fairly that, was, light. that was the medium the medium yeah. okay uh, but it it really responded, and that, that's I'm thinking like heard it through the grapevine, and um, all those like we you, you know you crash it a lot during that song.
1: Yeah, I, I use the two and four a, a lot. In fact, that's that's yeah. a, a part that you know that if you take the song apart and look at the frame, the, 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 that's that's the the accent you want. You want it on the backbeats. It adds tremendous power. Yeah and uh got it leaves room for the other guys and the uh odd numbers
0: my friend uh my friend dan garza who's watching is a is a peisty expert in fact i think he he's in fact i'm sure he's the guy that runs the peisty wikipedia page it has all yeah all their history and and he's the one when i first spoke with you that said that by his estimation you are their longest endorser um peisty and uh and he asked me to ask you he had a whole bunch of questions but i'm not going to go through all of these but he asked if you if you bought some giant beats while you're in england um and i'm guessing you didn't i'm guessing you just had your stuff with you and
1: yeah i i just had my stuff as big as, as that tour was it was very important we played other 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 countries too but our our main target was was uh, Albert Hall? We wanted to go into the Beatles' house and, 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 and challenge them. Basically, yeah. uh, we love the Beatles. Don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, I'm an athlete, so I'm, I, I'm very competitive. Uh, and, uh, and there we were in, in their house, looking out. Uh, you know, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Here we go, boys. We're we're coming. We're coming to get you.
0: What a show what an amazing show um yeah i just you know i just had some other some other notes here that i'll just kind of go through um and i so appreciate you taking the time to do this today doug i'll thank you again but oh, uh, no there's, there's, for anybody who hasn't seen the documentary i mean as soon as you're done watching this if you don't have netflix subscribe to it because you just to just to watch this concert it's unbelievable and and i made a note yesterday tombstone shadow um man
1: love that song
0: that song yeah you know and i i I love it too but it's one of those songs that when i saw you play it live it it made me appreciate it even more you know what i mean it's it's like hearing it is one thing and it's a great song and then playing those eighth notes in the hi-hat and they were so steady and so strong and i guess that's that's the point i'm trying to make is that 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 real kind of uh you know consistent Beat that you have, the way that you can drive the band that way, and that that song to me is a great example where you, you're just chugging along playing those eighth notes, man. It's like ridiculous.
1: Well, that's a you know, it's not a it's not a hit single, uh, it, you know. It's a, but what it is is it's a pure blues song, and it and it really fits in nice with the, a set like. Like uh, we we played uh, in Albert uh, Hall, and I've always liked it because I I like R and B, you know. Uh, so it's a uh, it's a fun fun thing for me to play.
0: I'll bet. Yeah, you play a, you play a great great shuffle and uh, and you play a great train beat. I mean, the, looking out my back door, the 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 brushwork and the I mean, I would consider that a train beat right i mean that's a yeah,
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: i mean it's it's killer it's just and is that something that i mean is that something that you as a young drummer you played a lot of that stuff and because that's not an easy thing to play that's not i i can't i we. my band plays that i can't play that the way you play it I not that that's any surprise but that's it's so effortless the way you play it it's so so clean and smooth
1: well uh We would do gigs for like uh, 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 groups and and, uh, organizations and so forth. And back in the day, uh, brushes were a a pretty prominent thing, uh, and and on record as well. So that's where I I learned, had my my, you know my introduction to, to brushes. Just really watch. It's 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 so much uh, so different uh, than uh, what you would play with a stick on in that situation, and uh, so it required a, a little extra uh, practice on my behalf. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's you know it's kind of a country two two step thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, looking out my back door, you know. Well, one of one of my favorites that's a beautiful
0: piece of music yeah it really is it's um you know i meant to mention at the beginning just for what it's worth I, I started playing drums in 1972 50 years ago and and one of the records i listened to when i started was cosmos factory um the album that my sister had uh she's a few years older than me and i remember seeing the the, the album cover you're on the cover riding a 10 speed bike and I, and I think that's the first time I'd ever become aware of Camco drums was, was, you know, cause they're, they're in the shot, I believe like yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's the studio. Um, and that was one of those records that, you know, I played nonstop and along with Beatles and stones. And so, man, what, a you know, what a legacy. Well, Doug, maybe you can talk a little bit about as we kind of wrap things up about what you've done. Um what you've done since you've done a, you haven't stopped i mean you kept playing and working in the 80s and 90s and recent years and some of the different projects you've done
1: oh boy
0: yeah well not every i won't ask you to name every single thing but i i know that um for example uh you've got uh like we talked about some yeah uh groover's paradise
1: yeah that, that's a that's a really fun record uh doug som is probably the most talented guy i've i've worked with in my career uh, but he's also the wackiest guy yeah, <laughs> in my career and uh but uh you know everybody that sees doug and his in his enormous talent uh, they they really dote over him and and uh and he loses sight of w- what's supposed to be going on and basically work and uh so uh, uh Jerry Wexler told Mo Austin that Doug song was uncontrollable in the studio and uh Sue and I had a production company at that time and and uh, uh, we recorded Ruber's Paradise" and, and I, there was a, a B side, so we did it in a weekend. Uh, but I, I, I had to keep a, a whole uh, of Doug's pot back. He's he's his he he pot And, <laughs> and I, I, don't bring the girl to the studio and give me the pot. <laughs> oh come on cosmo give me that pot oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i said look your name's on this record you know your name's on this and we have a chance to do good work and my name's on it you know right so let's don't lose sight of what we're doing here and i said just give me four solid hours and i'll give you your pot bag back. <laughs> and, and, uh and so he he respected that and uh, uh was, I did three albums with him, two of which I I produced and uh, the, the Groover's Paradise is one of them that, that's just a uh, it shows you the side the, the genres that he's capable of doing when he does the country stuff it's it's George Jones you know and and that he, he uh, you, you do the blues stuff and and it's uh, so many different blues artists and you would say that that's a, a definitely a black man singing the blues no that's doug sonham at his best so yeah. i want to show the the the, the uh, variety of things that he was capable of doing and uh, that was kind of the 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 uh, the purpose of the of, of the, that project and uh i still i still listen to that record and practice with it it's it's, it's fun and i can ke- i can i can keep up with the drummer because it's, it's me because it's you
0: yeah i was going to say you know when when uh you hit me to that i downloaded it that day we spoke on the phone and i listened to it the next morning on a run and it was you know it was unmistakably you you know in a different situation but it was you know you have you have a sound you have a feel you have a voice you know and it's you it's it's cool to hear you outside of what we're all used to hearing you do
1: you know yeah uh the the uh, i have a, another solo album uh, magic window uh, and That's uh, my second solo album, but uh, at least on on that one, I I, pra- I practiced my vocals to where they I actually liked them. <laughs> 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 put a lot of time in on those vocals because I, I didn't do it on the first one that I put out. And so yeah. Uh, uh, Don Harrison. We did two albums with Don Harrison. Um, let's see. Well, who I else? encourage everybody to check these out for sure.
0: And I, I have one more question to ask you from Joe Goldberger, who is a really good question. Um, any any drummers or artists that you listen to uh right now that that knock you out or that that you like to listen to, whether it's drummers or or bands or hmm uh, that's, that's a tough one if you asked me that question I, I wouldn't know that I could answer that
1: right now <laughs> I, yeah I, I don't most of my listening is uh, with CDs and and I and, and that's for practice uh, I, yeah. I, you know I, I, Practicing drums without any other instruments—it's pretty boring, uh, you know, and, I, and it's not something that I use. Uh, every once in a while, uh, certain songs—I'll I'll you know play something kind of fancy, but it—but it has beat, it has groove to it. It's not you know, it's, it's not a. Uh, like a solo thing, I, I quit doing that some time ago. It's yeah. just you know, it just not something that I uh, I spend time doing. And if I'm not going to put time in it, I'm not going to do it out in public. So. Yeah,
0: I, I I get it. I understand. I I I sometimes I'll practice and I'll start soloing and I, and I, I bore myself. I get bored. I just, you know, ah. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, when I was younger, I could do that stuff all day and, and, uh, but it's different now for me anyway. I, I prefer just playing to some music and, you know, good melody, good groove, good songs.
1: Yeah. I, I, uh, you know, my little uh, uh grand grandsons just got a, a, a drum machine uh, like uh, with the pads and, and and all of that and uh, yeah <clears throat> uh, I said when you play get it, put a put a record on that you like and play along with that. Because you know you're not going to be doing drum solos and, and be making any any can, can Campbell soup cans. And I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, oh man! Well, Doug, I thank you so so much for doing this today. We've we've gone a long time, and I appreciate it. Um, man, what a, what an honor to have you on today, and uh, and and I I. So appreciate everything you've done for me and for all of us drummers.
1: Well, you know, uh, when I met Al Jackson for the first time, I, I, <laughs> it was we we were on the road and and we went by Stax Records and and uh, and met everybody but Al. The, the MGS were all there, but Al was not, and it was raining and. And I was hoping that, you know, while we were there he'd come in, but he didn't. And so we were leaving. We're out getting into the car. And this Cadillac comes flying in the parking lot and stops. And he hurriedly opens the door and pops out. It's Al Jackson. I'm like, holy shit. Wow. And I had, you know, long hair. Well, like like in the in the rural Arab thing, you know, hair, yeah. long be And I, I hopped out of the car and I ran and I said, You're Al Jackson, you're you're my idol. I, I didn't think I'd get to see you. <laughs> He's looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is this? You know, yeah. Had he
0: had he heard of the band? Did he know who the band was? He must have. Oh yeah, he
1: right? knew he knew who, he knew who yeah. we were. You know, we're, we weren't recognizable. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody knew the Beatles' names and uh, all of that. Nobody knew our <laughs> names. Uh, and, uh, but they knew who the band was. They knew who
0: CCR was. Man, that you know.
1: Yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, it was it was pretty funny, and I, I was like a like a kid. You know, and uh, uh, get and, and I was so so happy that I got a ch- you know a chance to to meet the man, you know the man for me. It uh, got and he's a cool guy as well was.
0: I I heard that about him. Yeah, that he was, and you know you you would think so just in the and and all the music that he made. Yeah.
1: Well, you're a cool guy too. So, uh, uh, it's it's cold. There's snow outside. So I'm I'm definitely a cool guy. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> well, keep warm. Thank you so much for being here today, everybody. Thanks for watching, and a big hand for Doug Cosmo Clifford. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, Doug, if you would hang with me for one second, I'm going to end the live stream, and we'll we'll say goodbye. But um, okay. thanks for watching, everybody. And again, big hand for Doug Clifford. Yeah, (laughs) all right.